What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. This is episode number 132. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. What's up, dude? You already know what I'm going to say, right? It's got to, <laughs> yeah, it's going to do something with this blooper that I cut out already. You should have cut it out. It is episode 133, right? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> uh, I got the episode number wrong because Ben doesn't always update the episode number when he whoa, does whoa, new, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold new, on. Uh, new show Bold note. of you to point Things. fingers here. This is the first like 15 seconds. We're already throwing hands. <laughs> uh yeah that should be something uh foreboding i suppose for the rest of this episode no (laughs) yeah yeah. but before we get into the rest of this episode of course our usual housekeeping check out the discord if you're not already in it that is the best place to go to chat all things mtg chat all things chaff and check out anything else going on in the aficionado community post your trophy decks ask about your what's the picks all these kinds of things Best place to do that is the Discord, so check that out. The link is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week in our content creation. We are beyond grateful for all of you. And it's been an awesome year over on the Patreon, so again, thank you all for contributing there. If you're interested, perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, our pre-show recordings, and our Draft Chaff Hero card signed by Ben and I and sent to you. So again, you can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. All right, on to our Cracker Draft type thing. This is a fun one. Yep, we got another vintage cube. I've been playing a lot of it. It's a lot of fun. I've been having a lot of two ones, but uh, still a great time. First card out, Faithless Looting. No thanks. Not nearly powerful enough to look at this early. Uh, but here's a power card, Upheaval. So there's kind of a whole bunch of different archetypes that revolve around starting the game with vastly more resources than your opponent or somehow resetting the game to a restart where you have vastly more resources than your opponent. So the way you use upheaval, which is six mana, return all permanents to their owner's hands, you ramp to more than six mana. You ramp to like seven, eight, nine, hopefully with some cheap mana rocks like a Signets or like a Warren Power Stone or something. You cast upheaval after floating all of your mana and then you replay some of your like rocks and you get to replay land first. So maybe you have like nine mana floating you replay another land, uh, and then you replay like Warren Power Stone or something. And then it's functionally like you've restarted the game uh, with a Warren Power Stone in play, which is basically like starting with a Soul Ring. So it does hard reset the game, but it hard resets it to a point where you're further ahead on board. This isn't always the ideal play style. You know, you really have to be able to ramp into it and get there. But this is brutal to play against. Like if you've been building out your board, if you're some kind of slower grindier deck and you've been building out like a value engine and then you get upheavaled, you usually feel like just scooping on the spot. So it's a great card. I don't necessarily want to first pick it, though. You'd rather have the mana rocks first and then take the upheaval. There's a Ramanop Excavator, uh, the Crucible of Worlds effect. Uh, I don't like lands as much in this iteration of the cube, not without Elysian Dryad um, or Dryad Elysian Grove. So it's fun. You know, you can still do the strip mine thing. Hangerback Walker. You know, this and uh, Walking Ballista, sometimes the, the big mana artifact decks or even the big green decks where you can make like 10 mana uh, will want these. I had a pretty sick Mishra's Workshop deck where I had a, a bunch of like just every good artifact card you could ever imagine. Tolarian Academy, uh, Urza Saga, some Moxon, um, and a Hangerback Walker that I think I I think I cast one for X equals two on turn one <laughs> one of those games. Uh, nice. But yeah, with uh, with Workshop, but uh, good card. Not taking it first. Island of the Great Revel. Mono red stable, uh, it pings stuff, it's whatever. Like, you'll wheel it if you're in red. There's Chrome Mox, 
Um, this is the one. It's a, it's a mox. It causes zero. It's an artifact. When ETBs, you may exile a non-artifact, non-land card from your hand, and then it taps your mana of that color of the of the exiled card. This is good if you're trying to do busted stuff early. If you're trying to uh, like ramp into like a three mana planeswalker like Oko or uh, like Teferi, then yeah, you could take one of these. Um, but it's not it's not really great. I mean, it's resource denial. The question is like, would you discard a land from your hand to play an extra land? Or would you discard discard a non-land card to play an extra land from your hand? The answer isn't always yes. Braids, Arisen Nightmare. Uh, this is the new one. I don't even look at it. It's some kind of sacrifice thing. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't know this braids was even printed. <laughs> yeah. It's um so the problem is like uh, I don't know. Every every iteration of Vintage Cube, there's some kind of stipulation where they have to put in a bunch of cards from the newest set, and they usually don't last more than a set. Uh, braids will not be in the next iteration. I'm, I'm betting on that. There's Bayou, just Swamp Forest. It's solid. Uh, I'd rather start with a fetch over this, but like, you know. Yeah, you card. really can't go wrong with a true duel, though. Yeah, you can't really. Next up, uh, sort of body in mind. This is the blue and green sword. Uh, whenever the equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, they mill 10 and you make a 2-2 wolf. Uh, and it gives pro, pro blue and green. Um, sometimes if I already have like a Stoneforge Mystic, I'll, I'll take like the off-color swords. But you really want uh, Fire and Ice or like Umazawa's Jite at that point. Um, I'll, I'll still take like a sort of or a sort of body in mind and like put in the sideboard. And then you can side it in against like the occasional mono green deck that just can't do anything about this. And then you just win. It's pretty fun. All right, time for some heavy hitters. Emrakul Aeon's Torn. Uh, 15 mana, 15, 15. Obviously, you're never actually casting this. You can channel it, uh, or you can through the breach it, or you can sneak attack it. It's very difficult to reanimate because, it, like the other Eldrazi, if it goes in the graveyard, it gets shuffled in. But there's a few ways you can do it. I think it's shallow grave. Um, there's a few like instant speed effects that let you grab the top card of your library and put it into play. So if you can somehow discard Emrakul and then put it into play with one of those instant speed ones, uh, that works. But those ones all sack it at the end of turn. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel safer with the smaller ones. But if you're playing Breach, then like, or, or like Sneak Attack, you can take Emrakul. Yeah. So the question in my mind with these types of cards is is always, is it worth taking this before I have the stuff that's going to let this work? No. Is Emrakul, <laughs> and, and, and definitely in this, I think I think we pretty typically will talk about this. You you all, you already said this about Eidolon, but like most of the cards that are like big payoffs for a particular deck often are not worth taking before you have the enablers for that payoff because they're also replaceable. Like, you know, you mentioned yeah. it for Eidolon. If you're, if you're in red, you're going to, you're going to wield this most likely if you are the, you know, if you're taking a through the breach or, you know, some similar effect, you're going to get the Emrakul back. Yeah. So uh, th- there is one small note about this. If you're, th- th- there's a reason to take this above like a nonsense off color removal spell. And that's if you end up playing against Storm and their win con is uh, brain freeze. Because then if they try to brain freeze you out, you can sideboard this in. Even if you're playing like moderate or something, you can sideboard this in. Uh, just pray you don't draw it. And then when they try to mill you out with brain freeze, it just won't work. So <laughs> that's uh, a. Yeah, just- I think, I think Snapchat. like if the, if, yeah, if this was the end of the pack, right? If Emmy was our last pit, last potential pick, are you yeah. just like taking Bayou over this or something? No, I would take Emrakul. Like on the off you chance, would take Storm is like it's it's very difficult for some decks to interact with. For example, like mono red and mono green would find it very difficult to beat a good like blue black red Storm deck uh, with like all the all the fixins like the tutors and whatnot because it's just it's playing on such a different vector and the vectors are so distinct in vintage cube that like 
Right. Sometimes they're so distinct from each other, they can't even really... It's almost like you're playing different games, right? Like, if you're playing, like, a mono green, like, Timmy Ramp they're deck... Too, they're too fair, yeah. Those, yeah, those types you, of mono decks are just too fair. Yeah, that's the thing. If you try to bring, like, a fair deck to Vintage Cube, fair, you know, with no interaction, no, like, counter spells, if you're just playing, like, like creatures and removal spells, you're going to get wiped. And, like, yeah. Emrakul is a safeguard against one of those forms of getting wiped so it's better to take this than like absolute unplayable trash uh so i'm not going to say speaking of which because i love elspeth too much but speaking of which elspeth sun's champion you shouldn't really play this um maybe if you need like a win condition in a in a slow blue white control deck but uh mono white is just so much faster than this you want critical mass of one and two drops oh yeah elspeth sun's champion is hands down a a, a blue white Xion's finisher like oh, yeah. you don't really yeah. play it in anything else <laughs> But here's the problem. They took out Geist of Saint Draft. So that is Blue tough. White Chion's lost its its most Blue White Chion'siest card. <laughs> Next up, Winds of Abandon. Uh, this is the the it's kind of like a swords to and it's kind of like a path to exile, but you can overload it to path all of your opponent's stuff. I did get hit by this by a dorky white deck that was like it was like green white ramp. It was really embarrassing to lose to it. But they kicked Winds of Abandon and exiled my entire board. Uh, and that actually is pretty good. <laughs> There's Red Elemental Blast, a classic one. Uh, that's one red. It's an instant. You counter target blue spell or destroy target blue permanent. I mean, one red kill like a Jace the Mind Sculptor or like counter. You could be playing like red green or something, which I actually think is pretty solid in this cube. Uh, and counter like, I don't know, counter upheaval, right? That, that's pretty great. There's a Primeval Titan. Everyone knows this guy. Uh, it's it's kind of like a colossal dread mall, but it's a little better. Um, it goes and gets. <laughs> oh my god! All the modern players are just like <laughs> breaking their audio devices right now. Whatever they're listening it's to. It's a six mana six six trample. What more do you want? Uh, look, the, the casting costs are even the same, right? It, it does have this little bit of extra text where whenever it enters a battlefield or attacks, you go get two lands and put them into play. So that's pretty good, I guess. You can go get like an Urza Saga, <laughs> or like you can go get like an Urza Saga, or like fixer lands, or I don't know. There's a lot of good like utility lands in this uh, in this set. There's the um, the Horizon lands, the ones where you can crack them to draw extra cards. So there's usually something interesting to go get with your Primeval Titan. Although, funny enough, you don't usually want this in mono green. Mono green isn't really the thing that's like, oh boy, six mana, time to go get some more. Usually, it's it's gone from like one mana to three mana to ten mana with like Rafelos or something like that. Um, Primeval Titan is not usually the finisher you want mono green. You prefer like a, like a Craterhoof Behemoth or like even an Avenger of Zendikar, I think. Now, there's a lot of powerful stuff in this pack, but we're down to our last card and it's actually the card I took and it's the card I think is probably correct. Uh, ponder. Oh, yeah. No need yeah. to ponder this one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Yeah, Ponder's, I Ponder's I fantastic. It's, it's just one of those like really... It, it, it's it kind of flies under the radar in that it's a one mana blue spell that lets you like look at some cards on your on the top of your library. But yeah. like it really in these in these sorts of crazy powerful formats where like there's just no holds barred, you you can really set up some amazing draws. You can pick up pieces to combos that you maybe didn't have in your hand in your opener. You can also keep hands that might be like borderline unkeepable if you have ponder in your hand. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fantastic. Like, you really feel it if you're playing a blue deck and you don't have, like, the Ponder, Brainstorm, Serum Visions type cards uh, because it feels like you're just not getting smooth draws. But there's so many things, like, like with effects like this where you can just put stuff back on top or uh, I guess it's more with Brainstorm than Ponder, but you know what I mean. There's little tricksy things you can do at the top of your library or uh, cards that let you cast stuff off the top of your library, like Oracle, Moldiah, there's all sorts of things uh, you can do with with little 
effects like this. Plus, like what you mentioned, uh, some of the cards in this set, like you can play Soul Ring, right? I think that is probably the best card in the cube still. It's actually a little better than Black Lotus, in my opinion. Uh, Lotus is better if you're playing like Storm or something like that. But otherwise, Soul Ring is probably the best card in the cube. Uh, it's just so vastly better than, you know, your opponent playing like a one drop. <laughs> it doesn't do anything. Because um, then next turn, you're playing a four drop, right? So uh, Ponder helps you find those broken pieces that are so much vastly better than everything else. So. Uh, or it just smooths out your hands, right? It, fi- it helps you find the removal spell that you need to kill the Ragavan on turn two or something like that. It's just it's just great. And when all the other stuff in this set is so good, you may as well just take a safe pick. All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. This is our Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I ha- share a high and a low from the past week. Ben, why don't you kick us off with your Teferi Tibble? Uh, let's see. It's, uh, it's, it's vacation week for me. That's a big Teferi. So I'm off from school, which is nice. Only for one week which is unfortunate. Uh, usually teachers get like a week and a half or two weeks, but I only get the one because of the way the holidays kind of fell this year. So whatever. I go back on Monday, which is, I think a little strange. I know in the US it's a bank holiday. So like pretty much everyone else is going to be home. But, you know, school goes on. I got a lot of lessons to plan. Uh, and that's the that's the, the tibble for this week. Um, got a lot of grading to do. I mentioned to you, like as soon as we're done recording, I have like 60 exams to grade. Not a good time to be grading when Vintage Cube is up. No, that's true. I have been having a lot of fun. That's the second Teferi. I've been having a lot of fun doing Vintage Cube. Uh, I'm trying. My my dream is to go infinite. I guess it's like one of the last hurdles I see for myself as like a limited player. Like, I mean, I don't know know if anyone forgot, but I did win an Arena Open. Oh, my God. Of course nobody (laughs) forgot. You mentioned it every week. Okay. But I like I know I'm, I'm pretty solid at this point, but vintage cube still feels like it has a little bit of the unknown to me. There's still things I haven't mastered in that. Uh, for example, I would love to have like a really genuinely good storm deck. Um, that's like a hurdle. I have not yet hurdled. <laughs> so anyway, there's still a lot to explore in vintage cube. So I find it a, a really great time to, to play empty uh, geo. I haven't really touched arena in the past week. Brothers war. <laughs> I, I did log on and I played one brothers war draft just cause I saw I had all my, uh, my like daily quests had refreshed and they were all like seven fifties cause I hadn't been on in like a week and I, w- I was playing brothers war draft and my opponent, they, they play a, a red land, a white land, and then a black land and a green land. And they curved out from, um, uh, the scrapwork mutt into the Skyfisher spider. And they had like, it, it was like a four color aggro deck. And I was like, all right, I'm not interested in <laughs> this format has evolved <laughs> in weird ways. I don't, I don't like what's going on here anymore. <laughs> People are just doing this nonsense. I'm out of here. So vintage cube for me for the next, uh, month or so well my teferi is it's also my week off i typically take the last week of the year off and so i did that as well this year um a little bit of traveling i was i was around uh family quite a bit with uh christmas and um have a few little new year's plans as well and um this is kind of the time of the year that i take for 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 my annual reflections i do like a personal sort of introspection slash reflection on the year check you know progress on different goals and all that kind of sort of stuff um and it's just a good reminder of like things that happened this year that maybe i don't quite remember um without taking the time to think about them so that's really fun i'm also setting goals for next year which um is also pretty fun it's nice to look ahead and i'm not a big like i don't do new year's resolutions i don't i don't wait to start things until the new year just to say i did it as a resolution or whatever but i do set goals for the year. Um, and you know, hopefully we'll see, uh, where I get on those. My Tybalt, I had a, you know, this is, we, uh, we kind of go back and forth on this a few times, but, uh, this was like a, a fairly Tybalt free week for me. I haven't really had anything too terrible happen. 
Um, nice. But it was it was really cold this week. Like in the Northeast yeah. U.S., I don't know if, if any anybody else in the U.S. who's listening, um, I don't know if you followed sort of this big storm that ran through the Midwest and then up into the Northeast. But there was a storm that came through, and we had we had rain one night, and it was about mid forty degrees, like forty five, forty six degrees. And within a two to three hour period, it dropped from forty five degrees to fifteen. And then by the end of the night, it was minus eight after wind chill. So we got like crazy temperature drops in a matter of basically no time at all. All right. So on to our listener question of the week. We answered pretty much all of them last week. If you didn't check out the holiday mailbag episode, go check that out. It's a lot of fun. We answered a whole bunch of different questions. So um, no questions this week, but do go into the discord and drop us some questions in the listener questions channel. And we'll answer those next week. So let's move on to our main topic. This week's topic is the magic of 2022. That's right. It is our 2022 year in review. So we're going to look back at all the different magic we got to experience this year, the good, the bad, the ugly. This is also the 30th year of magic. So there's a little bit of extra stuff going on throughout the year from wizards. And then we'll do some uh, look at the state of the show and things like that. So let's start with our main set releases first. We have to think way back. Uh, this can't be right. Kamigawa Neon Dynasty came out this year. Is that is that true? It does feel like that one was longer than a year ago. Um, I mean, according to the internet, uh, it came out in February, so I believe it. Yeah, that was that was the Q1 release of this year, yeah. Yeah, uh, honestly, a very good set. Uh, really interesting limited environment. And as far as like fan engagement, one of the more popular ones in recent memory, I remember with the uh, like the anime trailer that came out, like the music video that they did. That was awesome. Like they should do more stuff like that. Yeah, yeah I would say in general too, this is one of the better attempts at like a non-Western cultured set. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was impressed with all the cultural consulting done. Exactly. Yeah, in general, they did a really good job with all of that aspects, and and the fact that they even brought in dedicated people to do cultural consulting was was a big step i think from wizards because we don't typically see that kind of stuff i'm thinking back to like strixhaven and the the stupid asian stereotypes they put in that oh, set. yeah like, yeah they they came a long way with this one next up we had streets of nuka penna which released in april um maybe one of the lower points of the year actually in main set releases probably the low point i mean it, it was a uh, story-wise confusing is <laughs> probably the best word uh, we still don't really understand what happened with the angels and the halo. And it seems like that was kind of the whole point of making the plane to introduce the idea of the, the Phyrexians getting beaten there and then the, the angels and the halo. So, uh, and then it didn't really make any sense as to what it actually is. And is Elspeth an angel? Is Giada made of halo? I, no one really knows. Um, as far also, as I think, I think you had a typo here in the show notes. Uh, I'm pretty sure this set was called the brokered streets of new brokers. <laughs> Yeah, uh, gameplay-wise, it um, little brokers in. We're not the first people to make these jokes, and we're not the best at them either. But uh, people already know, like this, the set you basically could only play brokers. You could play brokers, you could lose. Like those are the two options. Yeah, <laughs> those were your exact options. Yeah. Although I will say, this set was the highlight of my year in terms of pre-releases because I opened an Elspeth and uh, what three of the. The angels, inspired the draw overseer. cards. Yeah, inspired yep. overseer. Um, three of those <laughs> when and everyone like was two like, or those three on-color duels. Yeah, when everyone was like, those are probably pretty good, right? 
Zach was like, oh, yeah. no, I know. They're good. They're busted. They're um, extremely good, yeah. Yeah, we, we did actually just... Uh, Zach and I met up a few days ago. We, we played some Streets of New Capanna uh, <laughs> Pack Wars. Uh, with, with collector's boosters. With collector's <laughs> boosters because we were feeling spicy. And um, I got thoroughly curb stomped, not by brokers, but by... Uh, was it Revolving Bookshelf? Or <laughs> yeah, it was the revolving bookcase. Door. Yeah, the, the mysterious <laughs> bookcase, whatever that thing is. Uh, turns out, it's pretty good. And Quasar. Is is the bookcase in Quasar, really? But. Yeah, that's true. Quasar also helped. After that was Dominaria United, which released in September. Definitely the highlight for me. I, I missed this set. I would play it for a long time. I wish they'd bring it back instead of Brothers War. I would probably do a bit of that instead of uh, something like uh, Vintage Cube, even just for, for the variety. Uh, Dominaria United was, was such a great set. Red, white, enlist. It was good. And then also the, the big domain deck with the fact that they made both of them actually playable. Uh, the unique card designs that rewarded uh, like multicolored strategies without allowing them to like grab all the the bombs. Um, for example, like the big Phyrexian ones that you couldn't just like jam into anyone because they were double pipped and they only cared about monocolor stuff. Just really interesting. Um, very very well designed set. Probably the best of the year. I'd give it like a nine out of ten. Wow. Yeah, I agree. It was probably the best of the year. I don't. Meh, probably is not accurate. It was the best of the year. Um, yeah. Do you after like getting to let it settle for a couple of months and now moving on to a different standard format. Do you, fi- where, where does this line up to the original Dominaria for you? Ooh, I forget if we talked about this when, when we had it and I, we did get to play some actual original Dom since this. Um, they're very close. I think I might prefer DMU, Dominaria United, but I think I know that Dom is a better set objectively. I think I just enjoy Dominaria United a little more. I think it's really close. I think original Dom's like a 10 out of 10 and Dominaria United's like a 9 out of 10. But I think I just enjoy this okay. 9 out of 10 more because it has vectors that I appreciate playing more. Yeah, so that's exactly where I'm at, The but the other way around. So like mm-hmm. I appreciate the vectors in original Dominaria a bit better than I do. I appreciate the way some of the vectors in Dominaria United actually came together and work. Like you mentioned, the domain being a really good attempt and I would say successful attempt at making five-color good stuff work while also enabling two color and even sometimes monocolored decks. Yeah. Um, I think they did that. They knocked that out of the park. That was really, really well done. But I just, I, I come on. I mean, uh, when you Sapper put Slimefoot in a set, I'm going to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then last but not least, we have the Brothers War, which we're not even really done with yet, but I don't know. Aren't I, we though? <laughs> yeah, I guess we are. Um, this one, I don't know. If it's Brothers War, I guess we're pacifists because we're just kind of off it. It's it's good. It's fun. It's interesting. And there's a lot of cool gameplay decisions. Uh, but it does come at, at the heels of, of one of the best sets in recent memory. So I don't know. It's aggressive, which I do like. And I guess I, I had some fun with it with the whole arena open thing. But uh, I don't think I'm going to be doing too many more Brothers War drafts, especially not with those cubes to play. Yeah. Also, one thing that we ha- skipped over um we skipped over the the great MTG drought of 2022, which was between yeah. Streets of New Capenna and Dominaria United. So Streets of New Capenna released in April, Dominaria United released in September. And I know that feels, at least for me, that feels like an eternity ago. But if you don't remember, that means we had no new magic sets, at least from a standard set rotation from May, June, July, and August. That's four months without anything new. And in this world of like playing, potentially playing daily on Arena, that is a long time to go without a new set. Mm-hmm. It was it was pretty rough. And there were supplemental things in between, but you know we're, we're limited players. Like we look for the the most recent limited draft environment. And uh, you know Streets of New Capenna, just the fact that it was so unbalanced. Fun, kind of fun to play when you're in a good broker's deck. Entertaining, yeah, uh, but just not replayable. Not for like five months. 
Yeah, and this is actually weird. This this is this this comment makes me I don't I don't know what the right word is, but it it makes me uneasy, I guess, because we constantly are talking about how they're releasing sets too frequently. Or we're seeing too much product too frequently. And so there's there's always especially as content creators, like there are always new cards for us to be learning. We don't even really have time yeah. to settle down with a set before a new one is being spoiled. We thought just that it, with Brothers War and um the next set coming out, uh all is one, right? Phyrexia all is one. Yeah. And and yet, at the same time, four months in practice felt like a very long time to go without a new set. This kind mm-hmm. of circles me back to wanting limited sets to be smaller, but more frequent. So like instead of giving us three to 400 card sets, give us like 200 card sets or 150 or something, but give us new sets every, I don't know, every two months maybe. Mm-hmm. There was also something to the block of it where you were getting a new and refreshing draft environment each time where... I don't know, like they would play off of each other in interesting ways. Um, so like Amonkhet and Hour of Devastation, for example, you could draft triple Amonkhet. I guess if you wanted to, you could draft triple Hour or you could do like Hour, Hour, Amonkhet or Amonkhet, Amonkhet, Hour. Like you could do interesting things with the ratios and all that because the sets were designed to play off each other. Um, we just don't really have that now. I don't know if I mind that so much. I kind of like each draft environment being its own thing, but... I just, I just, I don't know. There are too many cards too frequently. I think if we got smaller sets, I don't know how that would work from a, maybe the smaller sets would make the draft environment suck. Um, mm, yeah. Or they'd have to adjust the, like the number of cards per pack, which would, which would be weird, but. Yeah, it wouldn't be great. Like, like we're seeing, we were talking about this in the pre-show. Um, and this is, sorry for the tangent here before we move on. But we were talking in the pre-show about how the, the spring release for 2023 is March of the Machine. And then. Two weeks later, we get another set release, March of the Machine Aftermath. But what, it, what, what it appears, what appears is the case based on like early Amazon storefront listings. It looks like March of the Machine's Aftermath is a standard legal set, but it's a much smaller set. There won't be any commons, and they're going to be like five to seven card packs. So we're just not going to be able to draft that set, right? I have no idea how they're going to handle drafting that. Like, <laughs> it's going to be really weird. Yeah, sealed will be like twelve packs instead of six or something. Like, and there are no, no comments. Idea. So how do you how do you draft? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to see what they come up with, and I'm glad it's going to be a one time thing because I don't know. <laughs> it's magic players don't tend to embrace the changes. So uh, we should talk about some of the arena stuff that happened. Arena Mobile, it's for those that haven't touched it since it first dropped and it would like light your phone on fire. It's actually pretty good now. I found that it runs yeah, didn't very you smoothly. finish winning the open on your phone? I drafted uh, I drafted the open oh, my, right. my my winning deck on my phone and it was it was perfect. Uh, I actually played a few games to test it before I drafted and um I, I was playing red white uh artifact aggro with like car instructs and stuff like that. The uh the wacky breakout deck at that time and there's a ton of complicated triggers in that deck. It was perfect. I had no problems. And uh, I have fat thumbs. So <laughs> like it worked even through that. Uh, so, so good on Arena Mobile for, for actually coming around. It's just as functional as the uh, desktop client at this point. Which I guess is saying something given the place that it started. But yeah. I don't know. I, we give the, we, a lot of Magic players give the desktop client a lot of flack. Is, uh, have you even noticed really any issues with it? No, honestly, the biggest issue is that I, I don't think there's a way to like set my preferred basics. Like, right. Yeah. There it's, think. it's all like quality of life stuff now it feels, yeah. uh, but most of it, and, and it'd be cool to have like four player brawl, I guess someday down the line, that'd be neat. But no, yeah, at this point it is all mostly just like small and cosmetic changes. Like it's a functional tournament client, right? Like you can't really ask for much more than that. Yeah. They don't have a spectator mode yet, which kind of sucks, but no, yeah, that, that is a little weird. 
So the other thing that happened, uh, we have historic anthologies that came out and uh, was it one of them or, and there was also a jumpstart historic horizons two, which had like Tarmogoyf in it. I think, I don't know, to be honest, like all, all of the, like that wacky stuff, anything that isn't like a literal like paper set being released. I just have such a hard time tracking and like caring about. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know what these cards, I don't know if they've had much of an impact or if they even exist or if I'm misremembering things was this the, maybe historic anthologies was last year. No, they definitely did one this year, right? I think they did one at, at least one. Uh, there may have been two this year. Maybe this one was the three minute inspector one. I don't know. I don't know. I also, <laughs> I, I also am with you with like, just not really paying attention to too many of these like supplemental releases that aren't you know, the, the arena exclusive releases, but I should also add that that's partially because I, I might, I'd have to double check like 17 lands and stuff, but there's a pretty good chance. I didn't draft, con- or I didn't play constructed at all this year hmm. on, on yeah. arena. I mean, like I've played commander games outside of arena yeah. and I've gotten like maybe one or two modern games in, but I didn't play any constructed this year. So I, I kind of just didn't care about any of the stuff I couldn't draft. Yeah. I think going forward, I'm going to need to start caring a little bit because my draft win rate is not good enough to keep me going. <laughs> um, I need like a little bit of something to be able to uh, scoop up some, some cold, hard cash in terms of gold and um, finish out dailies and stuff. But honestly, you should try out historic. There is some fun stuff in there. I just couldn't tell you these cards that keep adding to it. Well, isn't historic like an alchemy format now, or are there are two different? Oh, I was playing Explorer. Yeah. I think was the last thing I did play, but which is basically Pioneer. I think they added Nykthos recently. I haven't touched did, the yeah. format, so I, I wouldn't know. That. But like, there's got to be a good mono green deck at this point, right? Like, there's, there's oh yeah, because I'm known for playing and... mono green decks. <laughs> you could also play like Farewell Control, like have Blue Eyed Spirits was a deck. Mono Blue Spirits was a deck last I played. It might not be anymore. Oh, but it Mono was. Blue is actually one of the top decks in standard right now. It's really solid. Nice. Although I've also seen some recent changes in standard. Uh, people are playing like a lot of mono black decks with like corrupt and stuff as like a win con, which is kind of funny. Right. Uh, like I, I got I got uh, drained for eight yesterday by someone playing corrupt in like a mono black deck. It was pretty wacky. Shieldred is is really good, obviously. So corrupt is the new Gary. You heard it here first. Yeah. And then as usual. Uh, we kind of already mentioned this, but we just don't care about alchemy or rebalances or any of that stuff. They, they kind of pulled back on it this year, which is good um, because basically no one cared at all. <laughs> like, yeah, I what appreciate if you the ability to do format? rebalances. Whatever. Yeah, I, I appreciate the ability to do rebalances. I just typically don't play. I don't. I don't play formats that um, that care like that enable them because those also include alchemy cards. Like yeah. the new the new alchemy cards. If there was a format that was just rebalances. And they rebalanced that card for everything. I would be cool with it, I think. But some of the trouble comes with like trying to remember that I'm playing a format that like, oh, this has the rebalance version and the rebalance version is this instead yeah. of this. And then we go back to draft and now it's the original version. And like, I yeah, I, I don't have the mental capacity for all that. Oh, I remember now we got Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate this year. Uh, oh, yeah. It has too many names. <laughs> <laughs> too many. Yeah. Words in the name. um, and that's the one that I think had like a bit of rebalancing because a bunch of the cards that just didn't work because it was originally the commander legend set. Uh, so then it also just had a bunch of like straight rips of cards from the first one. Um, Oh, and that was the one that had like, Oh man, there's like one card, but it's actually six cards and you've got to like pick one when you play it. Yeah. Yeah. See, like we've, we've wiped this from our heads to the point where we didn't even realize we were like, (laughs) we could have talked about it. Um, 
who cares? Let's not even spend any more time talking about it. Like any of that stuff that doesn't match like a paper, a paper set I can go buy packs of and like draft in person. I just, I, I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> if, if it's like, if it's your thing, listener, awesome. You know, like it's a good thing that it makes people happy because otherwise why does it exist? Right. But uh, personally, I don't think it does it for us. This is, is there something below draft chaff? Like what, what do you call <laughs> like more uh, chaff than draft chaff? I don't think uh, so. Rip and flip fodder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't rip them or flip them because they're not real cards. So what's the point? All right. So those are some arena exclusive things, but we did get a ton of random other miscellaneous releases and or announcements throughout the year. Of course, this year was the MTG's 30th anniversary. So we got 30th anniversary edition packs ripped oh boy. to anybody who actually bought those. I guess there was like thousand dollar packs or something stupid. It's just like the fact that that was the only thing they did for the, this anniversary. Yeah. Um, it's like they could have, they could have mailed everyone in, in the, who, who they have like an email list on file for like a, a redemption code or something on arena or like something cool or interesting. Um, but instead that we got this part of the, where they said, Oh, you're going to, you're going to love this. Wait till you see this. Uh, it's, it's just not for you though. Um, it's just actually for people that don't really play with the cards. Um, it's actually just kind of like, it, it's functionally really just anybody. like an investment. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> right. But except a, that all the cards that you would have normally considered an investment are not playable in any fashion. So oh, yeah. Also, like, <laughs> they're actually not real. It's it's kind of just like a, uh, wow, it's kind of like an NFT. <laughs> the more that I think about it. Yeah, they, they made it like a paper, somehow a real paper NFT. It's, it is a very fungible no token. <laughs> yeah, it's super fungible. Yeah. Um, and yet still, similar to NFT, uh, utterly worthless and devoid of meaning and also artistic uh, creativity because it's just old stuff you know it's just old stuff new that really is it's never going to see the hands of the people that would actually use it for like fun things like commander or anything like that so if we go back wind back that was a relatively recent release if we wind back all the way to the beginning of the year we did get Innistrad double feature which was where they super creatively took individual cards from Crimson Val and Midnight Hunt. Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Oh, they no, just you're smashed both sets together. <laughs> yeah, you're right. They just smashed both sets together and called it a day, which was uh, just about as disappointing as a 30th anniversary edition. Ugh. Yeah, I would have I would have loved if this were good because this is like my, my favorite plane, my favorite aesthetics, two of my favorite sets in recent memory. Uh, I would have bought boxes of this and make, made a cube out of it or something. But nope. Well, you still they can. Just, you can still do, you you can do it right. Take the oh, matter yeah, into your true. own hands. You won't, they're going to make do me do right. the work. Except these these packs still cost like ten dollars. No, are like you just need to buy packs. You just buy singles, dude. Prof would be so disappointed in you. Well, that's just the thing, buy like, buy a bunch of singles from Crimson. Like build an actual set cube or block yeah. cube out of Crimson Vale and Midnight Hunt. It's just ridiculous to me that that these were standard legal packs that cost like ten to twelve dollars. Like the, these were like, those are master's yeah, prices silly. for what, what are you going to open? Like e- even the best stuff in that set is, isn't really worth that much. But they did black and white versions of cards that were really difficult to tell what color mana you needed to cast. Ugh, those could have been handled a little better too. They just like took the art and made it black and white in hindsight that that should have been a little more creative. You know, they, they should have like, I don't know, some of these recent sets, it feels like every single card has an alt art or what about all these secret layer arts getting made? Why couldn't some of that money have gone into like having artists do cool black and white print, like horror editions of some of the, the top. Yeah, Cause it didn't go into set design. We know that <laughs> they just smashed <laughs> yeah. the two sets together. So yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. It almost seems like a, it almost seems like a printing error that they just kind of like 
upcharged up for. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, on to something maybe a little bit better was Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate. I will admit I didn't touch this set at all, so I don't really recall whether it was good or bad. It was, it was an interesting draft experience. I did win my pod, so that was fun. I played Big Boros. Um, getting to draft and then getting to uh, play a game of Commander with your draft deck like against three other players was pretty sweet. Uh, Initiative apparently broke Vintage and Legacy. That's too bad for them. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, it was it was interesting enough. Um, and there were some cool mechanics and there were some cool draft elements to it because, you know, you're drafting like a massive deck. Uh, you're drafting a 60-card deck instead. And you like double pick things and you have to draft a commander. So th- there were interesting things to it. But um, yeah, once a year is like a, a good limit for that. The cards are worthless pretty much. Besides I do the, wish- the few that are now the commander or... Uh, vintage playable yeah i do wish that the um the commander Legends set though wasn't like D specific i really appreciated yeah. the first commander Legends set because it gave us some extra lore and some extra mtg characters that we weren't really like we that was the first printing of lisa that we got everybody's like oh yeah lisa's yeah it's true like you know stuff like that it's kind of a cool way to like drop those sorts of things in and i guess you could still do that here but it's it's like D lore which some people care about, and again, if that's in, if that's you, that's great. I just kind of wish they did the Battle for Baldur's Gate thing as its own thing and then did a Commander Legends set that was yeah. like actual MTG lore specific, but we did kind of get that in Double Masters 2022. Now, that was a set that Ben and I both drafted, and it was a ton of fun. We Ben opened a, a foil full art Imperial Seal, and we promptly gave that away, so... You <laughs> it's know, now in the, the caring hands us. of Sierkiewicz, so... Um, but it was a fun set. That was a format that was really fun to draft. It was double masters, so you got to draft multiple rares, and you you know, which always yeah. feels good when you can take a couple rares out of a pack and not feel like you had to make a choice on on taking the two best cards in the pack. So yeah, it, it earned its its uh, place as a master set. You know, big cards and both of us things. drafted cards that paid for the draft, so it was a decent EV yeah set as well. Uh, I think there was like a jumpstart set at one point. I don't know. Don't really know. <laughs> uh, they've been doing like jumpstart stuff with every set now i don't really understand why i guess it's like a thing to get new players into uh just like buying oh no it is just a thing to get new <laughs> players into buying packs <laughs> um yeah i don't know if you know someone who wants to start uh just have them draft it, it'll get them packs it'll build a uh, cool gameplay and deck building skill uh It'll be a little confusing at first, but that's how you learn. Yeah, I will say Jumpstart is like the perfect product for the thing that you and I occasionally do. And we did this once where we bought like packs from a couple different sets and we built or we no, what did we do? We bought like intro decks from a couple different sets. Yeah, or yeah something. that's what it was. And but Jumpstart would be great them. for that. You just like, yeah, yeah. You just grab a couple of those and try to make something work. Um, it's casual. I will you say know, if it's your thing. It's fun. Yeah. And they use Jumpstart to the first sets of Jumpstart cards they use to introduce some pretty interesting new cards. Um, I'm very happy to jumpstart for, for printing Muxus just as a, as a Krenko player. I'm oh, that, thrilled to have gotten that. that card. Yeah. Um, so it gives them extra design space, I guess, to print some really interesting wacky cards that don't fit in other sets. But at the same yeah. time, I've never actually purchased a jumpstart product because singles. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a good one. Infinity. That was, was a awesome. good one. <laughs> I will say I learned through Infinity that I don't particularly enjoy playing on sets boo, as much as I do boo. reading them and just getting a kick out of the cards and the arts and the full arts because the basics are always amazing. That's actually sets. fair. Yeah, I mean, the gameplay is probably the 
the worst aspect of the set, <laughs> but the aesthetics uh, are the best. Um, and some of the gameplay is great. Like Phone a Friend is obviously really funny. Carnival Barker is one of my favorite like experiences of the year, <laughs> just because like yeah, it, it's it was a a really funny thing. Pie eating contest, showing up with a bunch of pies, but those are all the designs, not really the like the gameplay of the cards themselves, I guess. Well, and I, I think for me, it was more of the, some of the, the one-off effects on cards, like the ones you mentioned were hilarious and great. But my problem was like sitting down to play it in an, in an event where you have like three mm-hmm. or four rounds. A lot of the mechanics get really old, really fast. Like the sticker stuff was just more frustrating by the end of the night than it was fun. Those um, stickers were not very quality either. I was hoping to just have a bunch of like cool stickers to stick on things. They barely stick, I guess, because they were intended to be able to peel off cards. So got to sacrifice some stickiness there. Yeah. One other huge thing that happened this year was we totally revamped the draft chaff cube. Uh, if you're not familiar with the draft chaff cube or didn't know we had one, check out the link in the episode description because we have a cube cover page for that. And it's a super awesome cube built. I mean, I'm not biased at all, but we it's a super <laughs> awesome cube built entirely out of draft chaff that Ben and I built together on our own. Like, like we built it from the ground up and I think it's a great representation of what this show is about. And yeah, it's a fun cube. It's really fun. It gives a home to a lot of our favorite draft shaft cards that otherwise would never really get another day in the sun. You know, it's honestly a lot of fun having not played it and I'm looking forward to playing it more than uh, next year. Yeah. And we had changed. So, you know, if you weren't familiar with the, with the cube, it was originally a 360 card cube. Ben and I weren't really keeping up with it too much. We changed it to a 540 card cube to keep it interesting. And we've now found a way to make sure that we're keeping it up to date with new set releases and such. So, um, big fan. I still need to get my copy of it, but I've played it online a bit and it's, it's pretty good. So another thing this year, the magic story updates, we're going in a pretty interesting direction and it sounds like we don't even really know the ramifications of it yet. Uh, I mean, we are getting Phyrexian planeswalkers, which is new for us. Vorthos is out here. Uh, it's been interesting to see where all that is going. I mean, the, the Phyrexian story arc has been building for a while. This is the new big bad since the Bolas arc, right? So, uh, I don't know. Those of us that have seen the leaks, we know it's, it's not great for a few of our favorite planeswalkers. Um, more, I guess more on that soon, but I don't know. I'm interested to see. I feel like we're going to get like a multiverse of madness, like big uh, <laughs> combo event at some point. Maybe more akin to like into the Spider-Verse. I feel like everyone's everyone's going to come to Phyrexia and just kind of beat each other up. Yeah, I'm uh, throwing it out there now. I think the aftermath part or the March of the Machines bit is going to have something to do with opening permanent or mostly permanent portals across all the planes or most planes such that planeswalkers largely become irrelevant and like pretty much anybody can just move from plane to plane. Hmm. Bold is my guess. Story or, prediction. or in some some way, shape, or form, all the planes merge into one. Like they're they're easily transferable from one to the other. Like the um, so uh, people Yeah. The Frexian world tree, it somehow like permanently bonds to every plane. Something like that, yeah. Hmm. So something else we got this year. Um we got around 70 secret layers. Wow, <laughs> which did is, we really? Uh yeah, I had to check. Cause there's 10 that are all the astrology lands. Uh, and then there were a bunch of like ones for each set, like for example, showcase, uh, neon dynasty, um, or like showcase streets of new Capenna gilded foil edition. Like there's just a bunch of random ones like that. And there's probably like 15 or so artist series. Um, like the special guest ones, uh, there were like four or five Fortnite ones. I think there were like five or six, uh, what even, there's like five or six transformers ones. And then there's a bunch of Warhammer ones. Uh, 
There were like three post Wait, didn't Malone ones. Did we get a Street ones. Fighter one earlier this year too? We did, yeah. Uh, and then just a bunch of random art ones mixed in. Uh, the professor has a fun video yeah. where he he talks about every single one of them. Um, it's you know these are at least nonsense that we don't have to keep up with because it's all cards we already know about. At least besides some of right. the wacky Street Fighter ones, Th- those will come out like for real someday too. So whatever, who cares? Um, these I'm, I'm honestly very fine with the fact that they're no longer doing totally mechanically unique stuff and they're making like the magic equivalent versions available in like mystery booster or like not mystery, the list stuff. That's what it is. The list mm-hmm. uh, that they show up in the list pr- pretty high frequencies means that they'll never be cards that like you can never get if one of them like breaks vintage or some garbage like that. Uh, honestly, these are just cosmetic upgrades at this point and um, that's fine. You know, to, to yep. those that want them, they're great. And some of them are genuinely pretty funny. Like I loved the uh, the serial one, the like Lamagos or whatever. <laughs> like that's I didn't see that's that funny. One. That sounds funny. Oh yeah, it's it's pretty good. Um, but you know, seventy that might be a little a little excessive. Well, I think I think they did it right because I didn't know there were seventy, and I don't feel like they were jammed down my throat or anything. So hey, go feel free to print seventy more. I, that's fine. And some of the artist series were were awesome. Like having Junji Ito come in, like one of the most revered modern like manga artists that that's, that's really cool. Or like just the classic magic artists like Victor Adaminguez. Um, I, I have no problems with, with these, like these ones are ones that I actively yeah. check over. Um, I've only ever bought one secret layer. And honestly, at this point it's mostly because I've heard a lot about the shipping and delivery hassles that come with them. For example, I know the, uh, the he- heads you win tails. I lose thing. <laughs> um, uh, just, uh, like just shipped and it took like a year to ship. It would, you would have just gotten it now. I know. Well, the reason I didn't was because I already have a Zinder split account deck and I think mine's better. And, uh, <laughs> it is. I really it just want that. I'd really just want that coin to be honest with you. I'll just buy that off eBay or something later. Yeah. You probably could just do that. So the return of the pro tour that <laughs> happened apparently, uh, I know yeah. they like, announced fixes to the organized play thing and they like gave us a path to actually get there. I haven't watched any of the pro the new pro tour tournaments though. I feel like they've done a terrible job of advertising them. Has that uh, actually I, even I, started yet? No, no, there've been some smaller ones, but I don't actually think they've done like the full one. There've been some regional things that I think have been streamed, but okay. uh, I think the, the, the first full pro tour is going to be, uh, first of all, I think we'll know about it. Uh, I hope I maybe, hope maybe so. it did happen. <laughs> If it did happen and we just hadn't heard about it, then I guess something went horribly wrong. But I feel like it's like for a 22-23 season. I think there's going to be a few of them next year. Yeah, they. if I recall correctly, and we don't have this in the show notes, so jump in the Discord and yell at us if we get this wrong. Yeah. But I think I think they're planning to go back to a one-per-set cycle where there's a Pro Tour per standard legal set, uh, which means we'd get four a year, and then those funnel up to the World Championship, I think. Yeah, yeah. It sounded like they were doing a whole new and improved worlds thing, too. Uh, I really like the new and improved uh, organized play system at the lower levels, too. Right. That's that's what I paid attention to. Yeah. Yeah. Like the arena qualifiers, um, the arena open to a lesser extent because it does help you get into the qualifiers. And then like the local game store stuff. Uh, it used to be just so overly complicated, with like the MPL and all that. And I get why they did it. It was like COVID and, and it was streaming. They had to worry about um, and like they were trying to become a whole esport, But uh you know that they they didn't really understand what was going on, and uh, you know you, you gotta everyone burns their first pancake, right? Like it's it's fine. See, but they didn't though. They were like really good at making pancakes for like ten years, and then they decided to figure out a different way to make pancakes, and they burned all of those, and then they're like, let's just go back to making them the old way. 
<laughs> yeah, I guess I'd rather have them try new stuff and get it wrong and then immediately backpedal. The worst case is if they try new stuff, get it wrong and stick with it for a while, which they did. But, you know, the, <laughs> well, the, the, the best even worst time, case, even worse case would be if they try something new and get it wrong and keep doing it for a while and then also tie up a bunch of people's careers into that and then yeah. fire all of them out of nowhere, <laughs> which yeah. is exactly what they did. I mean, the best time to go back to the original Pro Tour system would have been immediately after deciding the new Pro Tour system. Uh, the second best time would have been as soon as possible, which they did kind of do. I, I guess. And in any case, we're happy that it's that they did settle on something that seems like it's going to be really good. Again, the lower level stuff, I think, was the biggest gripe most of us had because let's be honest, most of us aren't playing on the Pro Tour, but we all felt, I think all of us felt like there was no chance of us making it to the Pro Tour simply because there was no clear path to get there. Yeah. And it felt like one of those, once you're on the wheel, you can kind of try to figure out how to stay on the wheel, but getting on the wheel in the first place was you know, like, huh, good luck, figure it out. Um, but now, like, now one we have good weekend, a serious path, yeah. And you, you can make it. Yeah. So we can talk a bit about the podcast year interview, too. Um, let's talk channel numbers. This is more your department. So uh, hit us with some some listener things. I think we're about at, like, 30,000 listens, right? We lost some data in between from our from our switch from hosting platform, platforms, but uh, it should be about 30,000 at this point, which is honestly nuts. Yeah, so... Let's start there. At the beginning of the year, around February, we we shifted from one hosting platform to another. In that shift, we lost access to some of our data. So we don't know exactly how many listens we had. There were about six months worth of data that we that we lost. Um, so we're estimating the show is at a total 30,000 downloads since we started, which was June of 2020. So yes, this is a COVID, a, a pro- byproduct of COVID, um, <laughs> but we managed to stick with it ex- Unlike all those people who adopted pets. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Since we shifted to the new hosting platform, we have, at the time of recording, 10,391 plays all time, which is pretty awesome. That puts us right on track for our first year. Um, We are in sort of the last leg of our second year. We'll be swinging into our third year. Like I said, we started the show in June of 2020, so um, that'll be right around, you know, year three when we come up to June of 2023. So that's pretty awesome. Our plays per episode has stayed at the same, just about the same average. Um, when we switched hosting platforms, we were at 216 average plays per episode. Now we're at 219. So a little bit of growth there. Um, I'll take it. I'll take it. Right. And uh, th- I think the thing there is that like, we don't advertise the show anywhere at all. So um, <laughs> maybe we should start doing that. Yeah, that that's got to be... I mean, we have a section on this in a bit, so let's circle back to that. But um, all in all, the show's doing really well for something that we just both were like, hey, we talk about the show. Let's or we talk about this game. Let's just post us talking about this game. Yeah. Um, ben took a, a nice little um, shift, I suppose, in terms of uh, writing articles for Cardsphere. We have like a nice little partnership. I, I, partnership is maybe too strict of a term. But we have an agreement with them where where we write we write articles, and I should say Ben writes articles because I think I've maybe written one of them back eh, when we first fun. started doing it. But but Ben writes articles for Cardsphere, so that's great. The good folks at Cardsphere um, keep welcoming us back to do that, so that's really awesome. Um, we have a really solid su- group of supporters on Patreon, so really, yeah, kind of mind blown that that's a thing. <laughs> Honestly, um, we have to thank our our patrons because without them, like. I don't know. It, it wouldn't be that we couldn't do this, but it would be so much harder. And uh, we might not 
want to, I guess, like, because obviously yeah. we're both adults with uh, careers and um, just knowing the people out there actually do care enough to listen and care enough to say like, hey, just like you would, I don't know, tip a, a good waiter, you know, <laughs> if we've brought you any sort of a entertainment or joy, then we appreciate it. And I'll say, to be honest with you, this this is going to sound really weird as somebody who's like doing this and, and you know, talking about generating income on this. Um, first, I'll, I'll throw out there that like our Patreon basically just supports the show. So like it keeps us drafting and keeps us hosting and all that kind of stuff. But one of my favorite things from the Patreon has honestly been messages from people who have decided they need to step away from supporting us on Patreon. We get some <laughs> of the most incredible messages yeah. from people who are like, we really like, Hey, really love what you guys do. Had to reevaluate my finances or whatever. So I can't contribute right now, but we'll definitely be back and, you know, really love what you guys are doing. And that just feels really good to know that like, like we've never had somebody leave because the, Hey, your show sucks or some, like, you know, your, your content quality has dropped drastically. So I'm, I'm not supporting you anymore. Like every time yeah. we've had somebody leave the Patreon, it's because they needed to reevaluate their, their spending habits or they stepped away from magic or something, which is totally reasonable and it's just really nice to get those kinds of messages where folks are saying hey really enjoy what you do so yeah even if you're not a current patron and you did support us at some moment you're lumped in there when we say we we're really grateful for all our patrons so Mm -hmm. totally as far as our discord and and just general listener base it's cool people you know like uh, i always have fun in the discord talking to to folks i admit sometimes i I don't get to be in there as often as i want to just because teaching is a an intensive uh, thing to do where, where you don't have a lot of free time, even when you're at home. But um, it's been fun to have some in-person meetups this year where we've just bumped into listeners or met new people at like FNMs or uh, local game store things. And, and uh, now they're in the discord and talking and, and having a great time. Um, and, and we have some more of those uh, hopefully coming in the near future too. And then um, just one, one last thing as far as like Don't say professional it. career oh aspirations. You could say that really a mark of a, of a truly great player is. Wow. <laughs> Can one even consider themselves truly great? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, never mind. We can move on. So what are we open. looking forward? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> what are we looking forward to in 2022? Um, honestly, per, like, I, I think I speak for both of us. We'd love to see some, some number growth on the show. I think, you know, we're going into year three here and actually that was looking forward to in 2023. Remember when I said Ben doesn't always update numbers <laughs> on the show notes? I, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but I, I would really love to see some listener growth. I think if we look back historically on average, our numbers have stayed exactly the same from about July of when we launched. So like a month after launch. And today, like our numbers are roughly the same on average. So I'd really like to see this show take off a little bit more in the third year. Many podcasts don't get even remotely as far as we are in terms of number of episodes released and consistency with releases and And um, consistent listener base, which is huge and consistent listeners. So it would be really great to, to see those numbers jump up. I think on top of that, if those numbers do jump up, it'd be great to see if we can figure out some sort of sponsorship. Some of our OG listeners, if you have been around with us for, you know, two years now at this point, almost three years, um, you may remember we did have a sponsor ages ago. That didn't work out long term, but it was something that kind of gave us a nice little boost in numbers for a little while. Um, and typically the way sponsorships with content creation work is that you need num- you need listeners or followers or viewers or whatever before you're going to get sponsorships because that's what makes it worth it for a sponsor. So I think that's the right order to be looking at that. We need to see the numbers go up and then maybe start looking into getting a sponsorship with somebody. Um, 
But then that begs the question, how do we get numbers up? And I think going back to the advertising bit, like we don't ever really promote the show in any way, shape or form. Um, so going, we, we did ages ago, write up Reddit posts and the occasional Twitter post for new episodes. I think going back to doing that more regularly is something that, uh, would help. Um, we may also want to start doing things like short clips on Instagram or TikTok or something mm. of yeah. little like intro to draft kind of primers to just drum little, up little tidbits, little shorts. Whatever yeah. Call them. Drum up little bits of, uh, little bits of like extra content for, for new folks, um, might be worth doing in terms of trying to get numbers up. Plus, uh, we did make it this year onto the, uh, onto the limited digest, which is pretty sweet. We did. Yeah. Shout out to Wolverine who kind of, um, wor- worked on our behalf to get our name on that. Um, yeah, that was really cool. If you're not, if you're not familiar with what we're talking about, the Lords of limited and one of their long-term listeners, um, puts together this digest every week, which is basically just a newsletter that goes out that has the latest episodes of all the more popular, um, draft oriented podcasts and we managed to get on it this year. So that's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's cool seeing, uh, like our logo along with like LR and, and level ups yeah. and all, all those other ones that have been around for some of them around the same amount of time as us, but, uh, it's cool. It's cool. Um, yeah. So I think maybe we can get back on the Reddit and Twitter stuff. We'll talk more about this ourselves during the planning meeting. But, uh, speaking of things we're looking forward to doing, uh, draft in the draft shop cube in its newest oh, yeah. iteration. We're, we're, working on actively getting together a, a pod for this, like as we speak. So, uh, that'll be, that'll be sick. Yeah. And then we also have like a couple of big events. I know Ben, you're going to SCG con, New Jersey, as well yeah. as, uh, MTG con Philly, whatever they're calling that. Um, yep. I don't know. maybe you'll have a copy of the cube with you. Who's to say, maybe I will. And at least I could play sealed, which honestly just doing that also very fun. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing we're going to do, uh, in this upcoming year is the thing that we did, uh, this past year, which is, uh, exactly what we want to do <laughs> and, <laughs> and like to do. Um, it's, it's cool not being beholden to the, the whims of like Watsy or, or any like random other enterprises or whatever. Like we don't have to, I don't know. We're not like trying to draft the same set like a hundred times and do like a bunch of hardcore. I don't know. It's, it's nice being the, uh, the less spiky <laughs> ones in, in the content creation space. Uh, we just get to do what, uh, what we think is fun. And the occasional like nonsense episode that we like put out and that kind of thing, like that was the kind of thing that we couldn't really do uh, uh, under some like certain sponsorships or, or deals or things where we're expected to meet certain uh, like criteria. So honestly, let's keep going. Yeah. Oh, by the way, jumping back to some draft chaff stats real fast because I totally forgot to mention this. We had the prof on this year, which is like <laughs> mind blowing. So if you haven't heard that episode, by the way, check it out. It's episode 108, where we just had a, a really nice chat with with the professor from Tolarian to Community College. So yeah, that was, a, that was pretty huge. I have a related uh, question in the sign off. But anyway, yeah, I think uh, things we're also looking forward to do next year, um, more guests, more guests uh, and maybe in different like from different parts of the magic space, not just necessarily limited. Well, that does it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope your 2022 was just as good as ours was. And frankly, uh, thank you for making our 2022 as awesome as it was. If you're listening to this, you helped with that. So thank you so much for listening again. Check out the discord. If you're not already in there, it's the best place to be to chat with us and the rest of the traficionado community. We also tend to do giveaways from the discord. So that's an, another reason and incentive you may want to be in there. If you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Again, a huge thanks to everybody who continues to support us over there. You guys are the best. 
And if you'd like to reach us outside of the Discord, you can find us on Twitter at DraftChaffPod. Thanks, folks, and we'll catch you next week. All right, so I understand there's a challenge for me here, uh, which is to guess our most listened episode of the year. Because in the pre-show, Zach mentioned it's not the interview with the prof, and there's actually three episodes with more listens than this, right? Correct. Yeah, the episode with the prof was our fourth most listened to episode this year. So I'm going to attempt to guess what this top episode of the year, which is apparently also the top all-time listened episode is. Um, I, I have a few ideas. I have three guesses. And uh, I guess you'll tell me if I get it in any of them. So oh, my okay, first... hold on. I was, I was incorrect. It was... I, I'm, I'm sort of incorrect. I'll, I'll add that the... These stats are based on what we have in our new hosting platform, so it doesn't include data from our old hosting platform. Uh, I mean, I think this stuff would probably supersede that stuff anyway, so. All right, let, let's see. Uh, my first guess is Vector Theory 301, which was Don't Fight Your Cards. Vector Theory 301, Don't Fight Your Cards, was not it. <sighs> Man, that was in a fact, good one. I don't, that's not even in the top 10. Oh, no, okay. <laughs> um, all right, uh, I, I have another guess. People were... That was that was my first guess, just because it was like the return, the long-awaited return of vector theory. Uh, my second guess: there was a long stretch where people were looking for things to do that weren't Streets of New Capanna. My first, uh, my second guess is episode one hundred three: uh, things to do that aren't SNC. So that episode is well, I'm still looking for it. So <laughs> it's probably I don't not. see it on this <laughs> list almost anywhere. I may have skipped it by accident. Okay. Yeah, okay. It's, it's not, that's not it. I'll put it that way. I don't know where on the list that one is. All right. Then I got to break out some more big guns. It's got to be 119 DMU vector analysis with Sirkovitz. Everyone loves the guy. Yes, it I'm is. I'm sure people, wow, really? Yes, it is. With 329 listens this year. Awesome. All right. I did guess it. Uh, just kind of looking back at some of our other episodes, we, we had some good ones. Um, I think if I have to shout out one that maybe want to make sure everyone did get to listen to uh, was episode 113, which was back to basics on breaking symmetry. That was one of my favorite deep dives and probably one of my favorite episodes of the entire year, uh, just because I get to rant about <laughs> symmetrical draw effects. Yeah. Unsurprisingly, our DMU format breakdown was our second most played this year. Mm, yeah, And our sense. DMU draft chaff hero was number three. Wow. So that's cool. pretty nice to see because... We really love doing the Draft Chef Hero episodes. Yeah, I'm glad other people did too. You guys should go listen to The Professor because that was a really fun one.